if you're always waiting for the 100% solution, you're never going to get there. Spike scan initiated. I'm picking up a podcast arriving. Wait. Designation. Forge the Narrative. Hey everybody, welcome to Forge the Narrative. My name is Paul, your host, Mail Bell All Souls Podcast. I'm joined by Adam Camilleri. G'day. Red Palo and Tenny Gates. What up? Hey everybody. Welcome to the show, everyone. Sorry we missed last week. I was not feeling that great. Feeling better now, though. Glad to hear it. I think I caught the sick now. <laughs> it's the time of the year, I guess. I well, like yeah. summer in Australia. So Yeah, we're just coming out of like three ridiculously hot days. It's uh it's been stinky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before you start, I had a, I don't, this doesn't happen very often, but I had a Warhammer dream last night. Whoa. Really? Yeah. I dreamed that I was. keep going on this? I, well, I... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, the emperor was there. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> no, I did. Yeah. I really had a dream that I was a custodes, uh, in the unification war fighting with two swords. It was, it was pretty epic. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> There's, I thought it was. I, I thought you were going to say some like real lame. Like uh, I was a servitor. I just kind of kept floating oh, into man. a wall. It sucked. Um, <laughs> no, that's actually sick. I feel like there's still a lot to unpack here, but oh, enormous could, amounts. Could be, you know, we but just was, we we also just hit like the staple sitcom opener, so we're good. We did. <laughs> I've been bottles. I've been uh, getting through End in the Death Volume Three. Oh my gosh, I've got an hour left. It's amazing. Yeah, there's, there's, there will be much to talk about on that. No, no spoilers. We'll have to have. A, we can have like a in in probably a couple of weeks. Just have a comprehensive, just like Siege of Terror, um, like in review, in review, yeah. like emotional takes or whatever mm. on it. Try to try to be no spoilers, but. It's funny you mentioned having a Warhammer dream. I had a woman nightmare uh, two or three nights ago. <laughs> Which is how uh, I it, think most situations <laughs> regarding the Grim Dark should be. Okay. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't in the Grim Dark. I dreamt. So there's a very tall bridge in uh, in my hometown, uh, Melbourne, called the Westgate Bridge, and I had a dream that me in my car went off the bridge. And I got out of the car, but then the whole dream, I, I never, I was never, you know, I was never in the car. Uh, I, like the dream started with me, like washing up on the shore being like, oh my God, like two of my armies were in that car. Um, <laughs> and, you know, a la a Warhammer nightmare. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was like, yeah, yeah, the whole dream was me being like mortified that so much of my life was in that car that went over that bridge for unknown reasons. And yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. Two armies. No, it, it was rough, man. Two, two armies. I mean, I've only got three, and two of my armies are at 10,000 plus points. So at least one of those was in the car. That's a lot of models. <laughs> Let's see how this would be uh, traumatizing. Yeah, yeah. I woke up in a cold sweat. My, my partner was like, you were flailing. You were crying out in your sleep. I wasn't doing any of those things, but <laughs> it would have been funny if I was. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds, no, I'd, I'd buy it very reasonable. Blade, don't go. Yeah. Speaking of one of your armies, I do want to talk about Dark Angels. Because uh, I know we haven't. We talk, Of course, we talked about some of the rules and, and stuff in the the thing but we didn't really talk about like what might be good like what what makes a good army list how how do you even functionally put these on the table and you know kind of expect to hang so i wanted to 
talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, I'm absolutely down. So I've got a lot of a lot of thoughts, a lot of feelings on the the guard book. Some some positive, some negative. Um, a positive first off the bat is that I think a lot of our special characters, Lion withstanding, uh, came out looking like really close to the best you can possibly do with uh, their equivalents. Like only Kalgar is possibly comparable to how good Azrael is. Azrael is an absolute superstar um, and should be just like auto slapped into whatever list you decide to run as Dark Angels. Of the two new detachments that they got, of course, the Green Wing detachment, the the Unforgiven Task Force, still very good, quite well, a, a quite good, well-rounded detachment. I mean, you can you can build that a lot of ways, but we already know about that. We've been playing with that for a while. Um, the other two, the um, Inner Circle Task Force, is the one that I think's got a little bit more meat on the bone competitively, and I really like the duality it brings. That you know, you, you, of course, you have Oath of Moment, which you can put on one target, but then you have the Vowed Objective ability, where you point at an objective and you get reals to wound against anything. Oh, sorry, um, plus one to wound against anything on that objective. And the distraction for also went. Um, and so, so you kind of have the target that you're talking about. Yeah. Attachment rule. Yeah. And so you kind of have these two very powerful things. You throw it in the command phase. So you kind of feel like you have, here's the thing that's getting oathed every turn. And here's the objective mark. I'm going to fight over every turn. And those can be two completely different things. And a lot of, um, a lot of space Marines modus operandi is trying to make sure that every turn you can owe something and remove something every turn. And then the, the, um, the vowed objective kind of thing lets you kind of distribute that a little bit more. So here's the one, here's the, here's the objective I'm going to clear this turn and, and every, the one I'm going to clear every turn. And here's the, here's the oath of moment target that I'm going to try to remove every turn. And so you're kind of doubling down on that little, that little mechanic, a little bit of efficacy. And so I, I quite like that. I'm now, glad you mentioned the, the, that with the Terminators too, because I think, and also the characters, because I think Belial is really good. Uh, he, yeah, he, Belial was, was always actually kind of pretty good. And especially, um, he gives precision, um, doesn't he, as his, as his um, modus operandi. We know precision is actually only becoming more a more and more powerful ability to have in your armies. A lot of people wanting to slap that in, especially with, um, I suppose, the biggest kind of problem unit at the moment that you want precision against would be the Canoptic Race with the Technomancer that gives them the five up feel no pain. And everyone just wants the ability to pull that lever and kill that guy first. Uh, you know, it's everyone's the Grandmaster of uh, the Deathwing is what you're talking about. While this yeah. model is leading a unit each time a model in that unit makes an attack, if a critical hit is scored, that attack has the precision ability. So sixes. Yeah, so, you're looking for sixes, which is which is fine. And it's sixes to hit as well. Yeah, you say precision critical hit? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's actually quite interesting because then that hit gets allocated, I believe this, this is correct, that gets allocated to the character's toughness characteristic. Is that correct? Uh, Anybody knows? Choose where it goes, right? So Yeah. Yep. And so in the case of, you know, uh, Wraiths, who have much higher toughness than the Technomancer, who's, who's lower toughness, you get to wound a lot easier with, say, a Power Fist or a Power Sword. So can be quite relevant as well. If, I, if that happens, it works the way I think it does. So that actually is, is very key. And yeah, just having just having a little bit of splash precision, I think, is a, is a genuinely a good ability. What's interesting in the in the inner circle task force is I think the power has shifted because I mean, you remember everybody remembers the uh, the Unger and or Bunga uh, thirty plus Deathwing Terminators of, of ninth edition, well, which was an absolute before terror. We get, uh, before we get too deep into that, I do want to talk about this. It's not necessarily a splash precision. I mean, they put this guy with a full squad of Terminators. They all have lots of it. Any any version of the Terminators, they have a ton of attacks. Yeah. Three plus attacks, put it on a target that's got Oath of Moment as, as, as well. So you're hitting on sixes, possibly. So you're looking for sixes and possibly picking up everything that's not a six and going again. You can do a lot. You can you can punk out a baton in a unit of Terminators with with that many uh, power fists or and or you know Thunder Hammers and or you know whatever it may be. And he's got the uh, the strikes of retribution too, which he basically rebounds some some hits uh, into mortal wounds. Uh, so sorry, I didn't want to derail where you were going, but I want to mention it's not it's it's significant precision. Hmm. 
Yeah. Um, so for those who probably have by now, if you're a Dark Angels enthusiast, you know some things have changed. Some unit entries have changed. Uh, Talon Masters, unfortunately, gone the way of the Dodo. Who's that? Never um, heard of him. Yeah, never heard of him. I've only got three of them bespoke beautiful models uh, on, on custody jet bikes that I spent. Like, yeah, completely amazing customized models to fit. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, and now they're they're never yeah. <laughs> never are you just gonna are you gonna melt them down or what? No, no, no. I'm playing them heresy now. I'll just I'll just use them as, as scimitar characters on scimitars or you, um, got, jet bikes. That's perfect. Yeah, You've got a Samuel for every day of the week. It's right. That's right, baby. Uh, I sorry, Samuel still works. Um, yeah, so, but you now if you want to use your Tuesday Samuel, then you just bring out exactly one right. I've got th- I've got three. Um, so, but yeah, Talmas has gone the way of the dodo. The Deathwing Command Squad has uh, been. Uh, put out to pasture as well, which some people did speculate on if there were going to be a new Terminator kit that was coming out, obviously, with the, the brand new Fabulous Box. Um, was there going to be bits in it? What were we going to do with the Command Squad? So unfortunately, Deathwing Command Squad has been retired also. So that's no longer there. And the Deathwing Terminator Squad is essentially just a regular Terminator Squad. It used to be the... Bes- oh, that gets plasma cannons, sorry. Um, there used to be the bespoke thing for the Deathwing in particular that you could mix and match essentially assault Terminators in the same unit as uh, regular Terminators, shooter Terminators. You know, you oh, I see what you mean. Because they still have... Fist. They have a special rule. Like, the Deathwing special rule is not nothing. Uh, but I see you mean they yeah. can mix and match the, some of them. Yeah, they can't, they can't mix and match anymore. So that means... Uh, uh, and then the, 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 the final whammy, I guess, was that Deathwing Knights, um, their damage output overall has been reduced and they've been reduced from 10 man squads to five man squads uh so the kind of i guess i guess i don't know if this is any paying for the sins of the past where you know like i was saying at the start of this little paragraph that everyone remembers playing against the 40 deathwing terminators in ninth edition and just being like man i could have bought a hammock and had a nap we kind of nothing happened this game either they got on the t- on the objectives or they didn't get on the objectives and if they got on the objectives usually they probably just outscored you by a couple of points and it, you know no one had a good time uh <laughs> except the deathwing player so um, the Terminator power has been overall reduced, but um, the insertion of the inner circle companions and the addition of the fact that things like Stone Guard, Vanguard Vets, and um, notably Blade Guard now get to operate with a lot of the same rules. In fact, all the same rules in that inner circle task force means that I think you don't want to just take Terminators. I think you do take some Terminators because arriving from reserve three inches away is a very good stratagem and uh, you want something to be able to do that but then i think you take you want to take a lot of here is a good well-pointed three wound marine chassis so i i really love blade guard i think i want to try out with inner circle companions the the models are too pretty for me not to want to try them at some point <laughs> well, they got good rules uh, too we talk about them in just a second so the rules are very good i just wish they had another ap on their swords um that's the my only gripe every other rule is fantastic but the ap1 uh with their sword that's literally as big as a human um i wish it was ap2 that's my only gripe there but the models are so stunning and there's a myriad of different matchups in the meta at the moment where the ap doesn't matter that much you know notably i'd say necrons being the main one you, you know four up in vaughn on race oh cool you can be ap 99 doesn't matter uh, you know or one doesn't matter no, who, who, who cares so there are a lot of matchups where it really is, is not a big deal and like i said the models are absolutely stunning so i think there is a really good um death wing so inner circle task force list out there for people who are interested which probably has one unit of five and maybe one unit of ten terminators and then the rest is you know a co- probably a couple of you to a blade guard of inner circle companions in impulses you know jumping around running across the board uh being really frustrating for the opponent even stone guard actually look quite attractive especially with the plus one to wound the, the uh, shooting things on that before we jump too far past them is that uh i mean they they do have the the calibanite 
great sword, which has a couple different profiles to get damage one, damage two, but you're right, that AP one is uh, a little bit there, but lethal hits and sustain hits two, things can add up. Those are two different profiles for why you would yeah. use the, uh, the different things. All, all the right, all the right keywords, all the right abilities, all the right strength, all the right damage, and you're like, why AP one? <laughs> one more please even just on the charge maybe just give me one more on the charge it would be such a game changer for that unit um as it is the points are okay they're, they're worth taking and experimenting with and seeing if they're the right choice for you um and then because i think there is a diminishing turn returns on the other three wound marine chassis being blade guard i don't think there's just like a a three by five blade guard being the sorry three by three or three by six blade guard being the right way to go i do think inner circle companions do have a place in that gamut if you find a slot for them and they are a unit that takes uh, buffs very well. Uh, notably, I like Asmodai adding in there for the Rios to hit, meaning that they they can really fish for the um, the lethal hits or the sustained hits, depending if you want the one damage profile or the two damage profile. Uh, and I think that can be a, a nice little cheap combo as well, where I think you can really pop off and do a lot, a lot of wounds uh, and make people take a lot of saves. So that's the other way of doing it. If they've got a low AP, well, just put something in that's going to make them have to take a, a buckload of saves. Uh, those brazers on their back are not just for show. Make the unit minus one to hit. They're smoky. Yeah. Uh, while well, a character model is uh, leading this unit. Yeah. So but you why, always, why not you always want to have with the character. Yeah. Exactly. You always, I mean, just a cheap captain if, if all else fails. Yeah. Or a bit, like you were talking about just Asmodai, who's um, you know a chaplain. Yeah, Asmodai got a, got a little bit of a little bit of a glow. He's a little bit better in combat now as well. Yeah. But we're also talking about, I think, that the core of your army for the Dark Angels is going to be built around what characters you want to, you want to play with. And there's a good case for many of the character models in the Codex. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, the, only, the only one I can't. Okay, so only one I can't make a case for because I can make make a case for Ezekiel. I think he's fantastic. Plus one attack on the unit is grossly amazing. Um, Samael's amazing. Uh, Like you said, Belial's very, very uh, takeable. Azrael is phenomenal. Lazarus, not getting it. (laughs) Doesn't do it. Dude, boy doesn't do anything. Uh, Isn't he like fourth company leader or something like that? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's down the ranks anyway. Who cares? Uh, well, let's let's talk about it for just a second because it is a very cool model. Like I like the pose in that model. Um, yes, real awesome. But not that you couldn't use him for another captain or whatever if you wanted. To. Exactly right. Best helmet in all of 40k as well. Pretty pretty nice. Uh, so five wounds, four plus invulnerable save. Uh, the intractable will. While this model is leading a unit, each time a model in that unit is destroyed by a melee attack, if that model has not fought this phase, roll a d6 and a four plus. Do not remove it from play. The destroyed model can fight after the attacking unit has finished making its attacks and is then removed from play. And then the spirit shield helm. Uh, give him a three plus ability against psychic attacks and mortal wound feel no pain three plus against psychic attacks and and mortal wounds uh, don't see as many quite as many of them uh, anymore after some changes and what can you lead can lead assault intercessors blade guards uh, infernus marines inner circle mm-hmm. companions so there you go yep uh, intercessors stern guard and tactical squads so a very keen thing to note about this uh the inner circle detachment we're speaking to at the moment is that like many other detachments if you find a character with the deathwing keyword and attach it to a unit that doesn't have the deathwing keyword they all then benefit from the deathwing keyworded uh stratagems and abilities so uh, infernus marines was a was a, a great pick out there if you put lazarus with a unit of infernus marines those guys would get the plus one to wound from the VAD objective buff, so to speak, and have access to um, the special rules and stratagems in this detachment. That's pretty good. So yeah, similar, very similar to the Canoptic Court that we had um, 
prior to their little uh, balance update. Yeah, and we could talk about the Inner Circle Task Force in just a little bit uh, as to what all you get because it's got the same loadout you can expect. It's got you know some enhancements, the stratagems, and then a couple of special rules that we've kind of already talked about. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the Terminators and different ty- how the Terminator squads have changed, but I think the, the Terminators are still very compelling in this edition as well. Yeah, I think Terminators are just fine. They're, they're, they're perfectly fine for their points. I haven't been blown away by them, but I've never kind of been disappointed either. So I think they're they're exactly kind of right where they should be. Uh, when you say blown away by them, you mean like they're you're not necessarily wowed by their performance. Yeah, they do what they say on the box, you know? <laughs> you you <laughs> read the ingredients, you read the description, and they do pretty much exactly what you think. They're uh, relatively good in combat. The shooting's okay, and they're you're exactly right. They're durable. Yeah, no, sometimes that could help get you through a couple of bad rounds. Mm. But what are you seeing, or what are y'all thinking that uh, Dark Angel list, like if someone is wanting to get one on the table, maybe win a little bit more than they're losing, what are those lists going to look like? First things first, Azrael, 10 Hellblasters. Chef's kiss. You're never going to be unhappy with that combination. <laughs> Chuck an Apothecary in there if you've got the extra points. I don't think you especially need to, but Apothecary is nice. But then, you know, you might be gaming a little bit too hard for some environments. Um, I think uh, with the price increase on Scouts and Inceptors, things like Infiltrators are starting to look a lot more attractive, especially with a lot more... Well, it seems like just about every time a new Kratos comes out, um, they get access to a 3-inch Deep Strike. So having Infiltrators to just be like, nah, get out of my backfield. It's safe is a good place to go so five five or so infiltrators makes a good idea to me and then if you're going with um and, and then from there the world's kind of your oyster i do like to put a phobos, uh, phobos librarian in with the if, with my um infiltrators is if that you to are going to where they can't be shot and yeah correct yeah because yeah, then they're so. very safe and going yeah. back to Azrael too, Azrael has the Supreme Grand Master ability. Uh, well, this model is leading a unit of weapons equipped by the models have sustained hits one. And maybe that's why you're referring to Hellblasters being a good choice there. Yes, yeah, so good on Hellblasters. And then it gives them a four-up invulnerable save as well, mate. So well, four-up invulnerable. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, he's, yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, past that, it gets into kind of the, which, what, what's your flavor? Where do you want to, where do you want to go with things? Um, if you are going um, in a circle task force, definitely chuck in. I would, I would put in 10, um, uh, 10 Deathwing Terminators and then a unit of five Deathwing Knights because I still think deep striking Deathwing Knights um, three inches away onto a mid-board objective, like in, in cover, is a very hard pill for people to try and remove. Whilst the damage output has gone down, their points aren't too bad for what you get, especially with the minus one damage having four wounds, so I don't mind five of those in there. And then for me, it would be two units of Blade Guard uh, with an associated character. Maybe one of them doesn't get a character and gets an Impulsor instead. One unit of in a circle of companions with, you know, associate character, but I usually would either be Asmodai or Ezekiel for me. And then the rest would be my utility units. So it'd still be some scouts, at least one unit of inceptors, because you always want to have one unit, at least three. Uh, and then I actually like some heavy hitters at the moment. I'm actually quite a, a liking the look of Repulsive Executioners. Um, I think they look very good for their points, for the amount of damage they put up. It's at the point now where it used to be that like a... Um, uh, Redemptor Dreadnought, like two Redemptor Dreadnoughts was only a couple, you know, 50-odd points more than a um, Repulsor Executioner, but now the Redemptor's gone up enough that I like the Repulsor Executioner a lot um, in that slot. And then I also very much like any Gladiator chassis. Just Lancer, Reaper, Valiant, <laughs> they're all good. Take your pick. They're all they're all very strong. Just pick the one that, that that makes the most sense for your meta. There's a lot of Knights. Go the Valiant or the Lancer. I prefer, I prefer the Lancer for the points. If there's a lot of um, Hordes, a lot of Tyrions, whatever, the Reaper is very good also. Um, and that would be pretty much where I'd go for the Inner Circle Task Force. I'm digging it. And uh, if you started with a Combat Patrol, then you've already got some Hellblasters for you might uh, sprinkle into your... <laughs> Your next army yeah. list. Yeah. Now that was all off the cuff. If the if the points are just buck wild, and I'm over by three hundred, uh, blame Paul. <laughs> 
Well, look, you got to start somewhere, right? Once you start fitting in, because when you when you have the core of your list, then you're talking about efficiencies and you're switching things yeah. out. And, yeah. uh, and you got to pick. So I think that you do want to, you can easily build around the characters and figure out what special, which thing they most enhance. I think you're dead on with, uh, with the things like the Hellblasters and then stuff like, you know, a Terminator yeah. squad. Like if you just started with those two things, then you're going to have that one. That's like 700 points. Yes. And, uh, you know, you can fill in the rest with whatever you think you're, you're either is on your shelf and you want to experiment with, or what's going to help you win objectives. You know, what I've found, and I'll keep saying this is like this push comes to shove. You have to be able to compete with the missions. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. And I think that's the biggest thing that is going for the inner circle task force. It's a, it's a, a list that clears objectives supremely well. Um, I just straight up plus one to wound on blade guard when they're fighting on an objective means that they do kill baby knights. They do kill like war dogs and stuff like very reliably. Um, they do punch up a lot more and it's made that made that data sheet a, a lot more attractive to me. And I do want to experiment with stern guard um, in the inner circle task force. Cause I'm just wondering if that's enough to just really make them pop off um, in a bunch of different ways. I like that too. The approach of like, you are clearing two objectives a turn just with your exactly. innate rules. Yeah. And yeah. that helps with the yeah. card flips too. Well, if you look at it this way, like um, the VAD objective, so at, at would how many CP would any of you pay in any of your codexes for just plus one to wound in melee? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll say one, but I'm yeah. sure someone out there is going to be like, oh, two's reasonable, but no, I won't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, if I'm, it, give I'm it to me. Guard, so no, no, that's okay. I don't need it. <laughs> you don't need it. Uh, but yeah, it, an unconditional, like open-ended, plus one to wound in combat i probably pay two the the vat objective one being okay they have to be on an objective for plus one to wound yeah one one's pretty fair it's got a term and condition on it yeah. but if you look at it like your vat objective ability is like a one cp ability you just get to pop off every turn that's a very valuable thing you're doing it's a, oh. a very high value thing in addition it's a psychological play as well being like well i've got this unit that can't usually kill that unit but if you put it on that objective i'll kill it real easy mate um that's the kind of stuff that you can really start to wield uh, with this detachment. Well, that is a good way of looking at it. Like your it changes your burn rate, gives you that extra you know, bit that you don't have to rely on. You can't can't be vect affected, you know. If there's yeah stuff like that, uh, that that's pretty interesting. Oh, well, not bad. Um, you know, yeah, this is one. Of, it's a long-standing army, of course. So I thought it'd be cool to, to kind of walk around a little bit in it. As we that was just get stuff on the table. That was yeah. That was just one of the two detachments they got. I am the Ravenwing detachment is a little bit. I guess more nuanced or trying to see what you get the most out of. And unfortunately it's changed so dramatically in the fact that the um, Ravenwing command squad, like you can, there are some really, really cool things you can do. I think most of the power in there lies in their enhancements. Like you have an enhancement to scout a Ravenwing unit, which could be a unit of now nine black knights. It used to be a unit that can only be six, but the Ravenwing command squad has changed to actually be like a command squad, like a guard command squad that you attach to um, a, another bike unit. And that can be um, just attached to Outriders, so to speak. You're just going to put three baby characters attached to an Outrider unit just to, to, to pad them out. Or you can attach them to a full unit of six Black Knights and be scouting nine Black Knights at your opponent. Because now the, uh, the champion in the command squad is a character, so we can take enhancements. And there's also, they have that enhancement for just scouting them, and then you go first and lol, he's, <laughs> he's just like possibly 27 plasma shots uh that can be absolutely hellacious and they've got a turn one ant flank as well so you can have that unit in reserve that comes on turn one 
and it can be really spicy. So I think that's most of the playbook for them revolves around getting the most out of those two abilities. Um, then the rest of it's just, I am real quick and do, does my stuff kill you? Or do I get to get clear, get, get you, get you contained or hemmed in? I do like the Outriders too. Big fan of the base size, you know, of those things. And, you know, like you know tapping my things, you know. You know what my favorite unit in the game is right now? Three Outriders and Samael joined to them. Just three Outriders for 80 points. And Samael, who's 130 points, slapped onto the side of him. He has what is, yeah, why, why is that? Because he has advance and shoot, advance and charge. So he gives advance and shoot and advance and charge to the unit. And the, the ability of the, of the Outriders is that they auto advance six. So that unit just goes 18 and does everything. Shoots, charges, whatever it wants. Just goes 18. Um, it's and and Samuel is you know very killy for what he what he has as in like he has um, six attacks of strength two I think minus three two damage double exploding double exploding sustained hits two in combat so give it oath of moment if you need to and he'll just actually he'll just actually kill very very reliably especially for an objective clearer and then he's just a threat he's just like he's not very the combo is not very expensive what is it uh two hundred and ten points um and you just sit the turn one you just zoom it down onto a middle objective um somewhere you know that's hard to get to your opponent they find it hard to get to you but you it's never hard for you to get to them and uh, i really love that little utility unit so that's uh giving away a bit of the, the juice that i'm planning to play soon and possibilities like you you could block off a huge section of the table to where things have to go around you could you could waste a whole turn of someone getting yeah. into your lines uh depending yeah. on you know what they're trying to do that turn yeah there's also some um spicy stuff with um I mean, you can't you can't res ATVs anymore. So the first, the, literally, the first thing I did when I saw the codex was that when I realized you could attach the you could attach the command squad to outriders, and then the outrider unit can be upgraded to take an ATV. And I'm like, are we back to resurrecting ATVs? But it says specifically that the um, Narthesium on the um, on the apothecary in the command squad can't res them, Get but you can here. still res you can still res the four wound outriders every turn, which are very cheap at the moment. So if you just you just want to body put ablative wounds on your command squad i think outriders for 80 points for three of them even for just 12 ablative toughness five wounds is a pretty good buy very nice uh, let's take a quick break we'll come back and talk some more warhammer stuff see you in a minute ftn is brought to you by discount games inc please visit them at www.discountgamesinc.com and don't forget to ask jay about ways to save even more on your hobby projects Hey everybody, welcome back. Thanks for checking out our sponsors and also checking out our Patreon if you're so inclined. It means a whole lot to us. Uh, really glad to be here talking with y'all about Warhammer stuff. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, <laughs> 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 going to shift gears a bit. We were just talking about Dark Angels. I actually built, I got some more bottles built, some more Inceptors built. I really considered magnetizing their arms, but then... I did. Uh, well, you can. In, in, but I was like, what is... I feel pretty... Like I've got the six bolters. And they've served me well. Like, I've never regretted having the six boulders. And I'm making six plasma, even though I know they just went through a change. But, you know, I want to be prepared for everything. And the arms are totally separate. Like, you build the bolter arms, and you build the plasma arms. And I plastic glued all the models, like the rest of the model together. But I super glued their arms on, because I figured, I ain't got time for magnets right now. But later down the road, you know, since you can just put the, the bolter arms together as their own complete thing, clip them off the sprue. Yeah. They they could live, you know, in compact area. 
live in a plastic bag or whatever. And uh, if I ever need to pop super glue off later, I can just do that. I am like, I've come to the realization past few months that the thing that gives me the greatest satisfaction is seeing a bunch of models. So I'm not sure if I will ever magnetize anything because I would rather put more models on my shelf painted. I know a lot of painters that feel that way. They just feel like I'm forget magnets i will just paint and do more models yeah they are the uh the skaven of uh hobbyists <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yes yes but, but these are no like more. prime for magnetizing though two you know two complete sets of parts in a primaris body marine so like big thick plastic like you could sink a decent magnet into those cavities there and use a drill too because a magnet can be size you know like you don't you know might not be as tedious as some of the smaller things uh but still i did i did opt for you know i was gonna say the coward's way out or whatever but i was just like putting these <laughs> things together i was like i could stop what i'm doing right now and get super glue all over my fingers or i could just like know that i could just pop these off later if i needed to and that's what i went with so that's my lazy hack that i could share this week. you gotta change your outlook on things it's like your big brain pro gamer move oh sorry okay yeah Uh maximum efficiency that's right (laughs) uh but close to i did kit bash a um a primaris lieutenant to you know because i'm still running that that advanced charge list having a lot of fun with it Mm. so you know two advanced in charge and i guess we, we talked about this in the halftime show with advance and charge, right? So, you know, I, w- I was gone in January for a couple of weeks at an exercise. Um, and, and I thought of these elements that have kind of stuck with me and resonated from that exercise and different things. And of course, ad- having the ability for advance and charge, right? There's this aspect of uh, momentum and the ability for us to keep up. We were looking at it and there's a lot to this and I mean, I'm, I'm talking, there, there's still exercises, but at least in, in real world tactics, I, I wouldn't say even at the, the level of, of a brigade or, or which, you know, is roughly, it's roughly 4,000 people. You're talking hundreds of vehicles and whatnot. And the mass that that contributes to the battlefield across kilometers of space, right? It's still tactical. It's still, that, that's, that's what it is. It's tactics. And um, the concept of advancing and charging has this time and speed component to it that again like as you add these things together um it it creates a a sense of momentum across the battlefield tactically and i have been a huge fan of it because we've talked about it before adam you've hit on it the ability to to conduct actions and you know Mm -hmm. the way conducting actions in such a way that that your opponent struggles to respond right that it overwhelms their their senses and and you can tilt opponents this way because they don't you know they may not understand or and as people i think the great part about the war game is that as they have the opportunity to play and ultimately fail learning from their their mistakes and being able to see true threat threat ranges as we might call it you know it's not just about how far they can move and then charge it's how far they can advance and charge and and what Mm. could possibly happen as you add all these different factors together but then also your ability to mentally cope and react to what's happening without becoming tilted um so that was the thing as we look at like the exercise i was in and kind of tying it into some real world elements we have this model that we approach where 
you know, it's not like in 40K where I get to do everything and then you get to do everything, which is why I do appreciate the alternating activations of some of the other game systems that like GW has, such as whether Apocalypse or the new Perialis, you know, Legions game. But there's an aspect to where we were looking at the enemy and the opponent can, uh, in our real world context, can essentially make a new decision every 30 minutes, right? And so the way we had to look at it as well, if we understand that the enemy is going to make what we we talked about as kind of decision point tactics. So every, as time progresses and as they're moving, they see these decision points where they adjust their plan accordingly. They've kind of got a general idea, you know, and you can see how this is, can relate to us playing these war games, but as they move forward, they adjust at, in time intervals along with what's kind of happening across the battlefield. And we could see that in some ways as turns. And then we've seen the value, you know, you look back as we've talked through this game through the years, like Inari and its ability to double activate, or even in Age of Sigmar, the ability to, um, you know, have turns back to back, or the Hellblasters and their, the other similar units that have the ability to activate out of sequence, arguably. Right, the benefit to that. And so as we go back and forth with this and the, the tactical aspect, acknowledging that the enemy is going to adjust at those intervals, I and my team, we work towards uh, really trying to push mass and momentum to push as much as we could to hit it as hard as we could and as fast as we could that it would overwhelm their ability to adjust within their the, what we projected were their, their intervals of you know, how they gauge time. And so there's a lot to that. You can see how that ties into our war games as well and how you're trying to create this uh, impact almost. It's not just about massing effects. It's about this this synchronized impact of effects and, and what it does to the enemy's plan and their forces, mm. ultimately trying to get you know your opponent to, to capitulate. That's, I, I got to say, I had a really great time. You know, not everybody maybe gets to enjoy themselves as much as, as my team did, and I, I can understand it. There, there's some, some uh, elements to that that are maybe not the most desirable. But I, I would like to say, you know, we we had a really good time going out to this exercise and making that happen because we were able to achieve it. It sounds like you channeled your inner world eater because what I extrapolated from that was that you, <laughs> uh, analogy wise, deployed on the line and were just like, we're going first. <laughs> well, we tried, yeah, and so like the, you know, break their freaking backs. Yeah. It, it, that, well, and that's the yes. I mean, effectively, yes. And but the aspect of it, right, is that we went into it with this mindset. We've we've run the the our our through you know. There's a military decision making process, and that's kind of how we plan things. And there's a war gaming aspect to that. When in the unsurprisingly in the army, when people bring up the term war gaming, you'll actually you know you'll hear a kind of a collective groan. Because it's <laughs> not seen in what we see as wargaming, um, but we've tried to kind of work towards well, a different model and approach we, to that. Are you talking about like us talking on the show right now? Or are you talking about you in the military context? Me in the military. There, there's plenty of people that understand exactly what I'm talking about. Wargaming and MDMP, they're all like, okay, that's a we're we're all just gonna devolve into arguing with each other. And one team, the the red team, the opponent team, is just gonna think they're smarter than everybody else. And the blue team's just either trying to get a product out and done, or they just get enamored with their own you know plan kind of deal. And it's wait, wait. it's a it's a wonderful. Uh, are, are you talking about us forth. on this podcast? Or are you talking about <laughs> perfect, perfect? <laughs> yes. It, see, I told you it's a perfect relation. And so. 
with that, like it's, you know, we had a really good time with it, but I thought there was a lot to apply. And, you know, talking about just channeling your inner world eater or, or whatever, it's not even just that, because I'll tell you, we've in so many cases, I mean, you're talking again, an organization of 3000 people. And as you're going through this plan and they've got a cool simulation that kind of plays it out over time and you're working through terrain and there are different aspects to it, what you can do and you understanding how maintenance and personnel readiness and all these other things go into it. But the ability to, to really push for that momentum, it's not just something that's achieved physically. It's something that's achieved like me- mentally visualized conceptually amongst a group of people for them to, to buy into and really push for that is a whole other element beyond just the physical components. And so as you're trying to help people understand like, Hey, we're in vehicles that can cover kilometers in a span of time, but also understanding the, you know, as much as I would love to say, like if you just lined up on the front line and just pushed as hard as you can, the problem is you have to, we, you know, I've talked about the difference between maneuvering and movement before. You can't just move into your enemy. You have to maneuver on the enemy. And that aspect of how do you manage time effectively while also working through survivability and all these aspects. But the, the other part that I, I'd suggest, you know, that we've seen a lot, a lot of people, and I, I think, again, war gamers will, will see a relation to this. A lot of people struggle with trying to execute the perfect plan. They try to execute, uh, you know, waiting for the right, you know, Adam, you brought up the terms and conditions before, like mm-hmm. people trying to set up the terms and conditions. And they've always got it in their head that there's this sequencing that they have to meet. And a lot of times I found that if you're always waiting for the 100% solution, you're never going to get there in a lot of the real world scenarios. And you find yourself too far behind because you've waited too long. And even when we had what might have appeared like perfect sequencing, it just ended up taking too long. And people could predict that perfect sequencing, if that makes sense. It kind of... Because they know like what it, the perfect play would be. Ex- exactly. Yeah, right. it's, I mean, it's, it's game, game theory is actually involved in that, like the business uh, concept of game theory. 100%. And so I'm sitting here acknowledging that uh, with the team that I'm working with that we're not going to make 100%. And so we're just going to push to the margins or the thresholds that it's good enough. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's, you're accepting the, um, the, the, the commander involved has to make a decision and accept certain degrees of risk in making that push with what thresholds we have available and that we're going to lose something to whatever degree. But by doing it, we're gaining enough advantage by pushing as hard as we can. And we've Mm. continued to see that, you know, not waiting for the perfect solution, not waiting for the perfect sequence, but just pushing it as hard and fast as we can has continued to achieve results, uh, especially again, as long we're, we're maintaining that there's two key concepts. There, there's a whole thing. We could go into the, uh, you know, principles of war and how that breaks apart, but mass and momentum between those two, it, it achieves so much. And so there's an aspect to that, that I really thought could resonate to some of our conversation that we've had. I think that's comparable to, I mean, like we just saw, we just had the Super Bowl here mm-hmm. in uh, American football. Uh, and a lot of people compared it to a battle of coaches. Oh yeah. Well, it's crazy. The the phenomena of what, uh, don't get me wrong, uh, you know, again, brigade, 4,000 people, every, 
there, there's all these different functions that matter so much, but the, the visualization of the leadership and the ability to see where we're going to go with things and to, to help anticipate. There are a lot of people from all the way down to uh, the ground level that, uh, that matter and how the, the team has moved forward. But it is, it's proven throughout history. It's proven throughout, uh, you know, contemporary examples like the coaches of the Super Bowl, uh, at the, the quarterbacks and the different, you know, defensive and offensive coordinators, the leadership at so many levels. And then I, I, I have to underline the leadership at, at some of the higher levels when they're, when they're appropriately engaged. Um, because I know you, know, you start talking about some senior leaders and, and there's some people out there that I'm sure anyone can, can relate some story about a manager that's, or a leader that's out of touch and not engaged. But when you've got those leaders that are engaged, that are, are reaching down and, and acknowledging and, and feedback from people, feedback from the environment, feedback, you know, taking those things into account and then putting it into their process as they visualize it and being able to harness that they can make those decisions and, and being able to, to accept risk and move off of it. Um, there's a lot that goes into that, but the, I do Paul totally agree that those coaches in Super Bowl game, and you look at it even in the first quarter and some of the things that were made, I mean, uh, you know, ultimately of course, no spoilers that the Kansas city chiefs end up winning, but at the beginning, uh, San Francisco made some amazing gains and, and accepting where you make those marginal gains and the amount of yards that were achieved up front from the get go. I mean, and some of that stuff, you know, as you do that, you can set a precedent that can hold a certain level. Um, and, and unless certain things come back, um, you know, I, I mean, Paul, you and I both from, you know, the Atlanta area, I mean, sometimes it doesn't matter how hard the, the Falcons try, you know, they, they, they get so far and then they still end up getting crushed oh, in the end. But we're, but we're again, at best that, right now, a cautionary tale. But, uh, but that still goes that back to aspects of leadership and the ability to visualize the end game. Because in a lot of cases, I'll tell you, a lot of it for me starts at the end and then you start working your way back, identifying obstacles from what your perceived vision of of you know, the solution or whatever you want to call it, the, you know, your, your objective and then working your way backwards from that. Okay. In order to achieve this, I'm going to have to have this at this point, And then I'm going to start breaking it down all the way up until I, I reach where I'm at now. And, and that visualization of that whole process is, is something that good leaders are really able to not just make happen, but also to share and develop that shared understanding and awareness that, that take it, take a team, uh, to, you know, to, to marginal gains. And when I say marginal gains, I don't mean that in a diminishing way. I mean, like you're achieving things over time, ultimately that leads you to that, that victory, that objective victory before you continue to move on to the next one. And and how are you like applying this to, to like your war game philosophy or could be Warhammer could be, you know, it should, I mean, again, like, okay, you know, take 10th edition, for example, you can use the cards, right? You can flip secondaries, or you can you can choose static the the tactical objectives that stay throughout the game. So, okay, I'm going to go into it. I assume with this army, I can I can score these objectives this well doing this. And I think that's where you know a lot of people like the opportunity provided by uh, using the cards, but also the it, it sometimes it's easier to see your end game by using the static tactical objectives. 
Um, and, and you can know, hey, I, I know I can consistently do this to get there because at the end of the game, I can accept that I can deny this much and I can achieve this much. And that's, you know, ultimately, it's not just about killing everyone on the table as some of these armies have demonstrated. Yeah, Adam, I think in the earlier part um, and even the pre-show you're talking about, you know, it's n- the new code- codices are not talking about um, just pure lethal killing power. They're yeah. staying power. And you can take that staying power and you can visualize how you're going to hang in the fight. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm, you know, that you're looking at in this plan. And when you talk about mass and momentum, you've got to maintain mass. You have to, re- you have to retain it. You have to keep it. You can't allow yourself to just get peeled apart because if you, obviously if you don't maintain that through, you're not going to be able to hold the objectives. You're not going to be able to score what you need to score, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I like that. I love a lot of the, the, the points you made there. I've got one question for you. Um, and this is one, this is one I, I should have, I've had the opportunity to ask many times and I haven't, and I, I do apologize. Um, do you get to name missions or like battle plans and stuff? Like, are you the guy who gets to like, you know, like, you know, name something like Desert Storm <laughs> or Desert Eagle or, you know, do you get to do uh, any of that? Uh, I mean, you know, typically they are handed down in certain aspects, right? So like Desert Storm ended up including all of those elements that were involved and like, yeah. but there are aspects like as you zero in, depending yeah, on, on which tactical level you're looking at, right? On um, your minutia, you, on your on your battalion, your stuff. Do you ever get to name any of the the maneuvers? You can. Yes, it it does happen. Yes. I have a request. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so, like the the most serious briefing you can you can conjure, like just serious personnel, high ranking men and women, just like. Very serious, all right? And then you lay down your super strategic, amazing red power battle plan and be like, at the top, it's called deploy servo skulls, and you just walk out of the room. <laughs> just walk out of the freaking room. Don't make eye contact. Don't look at them. You just tell them what it's called, and you leave. Chilling rain, sweeping engagement. you got tons to pick from, mate. They're, they're all here. The Leviathan Tournament Pack is rife with good options. Priority targets. The Ritual, a banger. Let's go. <laughs> As as long as our uh, our friends at GW don't come after me, I, I promise you, I'll I will find a way to to stick it in. As long as you, as soon as you tell them, you just yeet, just get out of there. Just just you do not want to have to be have to explain anything. Just leave them in the stunned awe and silence, and just yeah. What is a servo skull? What the no, hell? They know. They know. They're, 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 they're the ritual. We are we sacrificing what? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some there's some good ones i mean and, and there are there are people whether they you know have, have uh stepped out and whether they've engaged with me directly or what um there, there have been uh there's a lot of people i have had the pleasure of getting to know and, and engage discussing warhammer but yeah. um there are there are plenty of people also that are out there that won't mention it but they'll see it right they'll, they'll yes um yes. i i admit i have so it is good practice in our profession to typically have, even if, you know, I understand which, you know, what decade we're in and whatnot, but the ability to record something, right? And by record, I mean, like, write it down, mm. keep notes, what have you. And unfortunately, it's just because of society and where we're at, like, just keeping notes on your phone isn't good. You know, it, keeping notes on your phone is not good enough, Um you need to be able to write stuff down typically. And so I have for the longest time, I, um, I do like to pick up the GW notebooks 
Um, have you, you know, you've seen those around yep. and, uh, it, admittedly, uh, my current one is not one of those. It, uh, is a quaint little book I picked up in a game store that the cover says nightmare journal, which is always a great little <laughs> icebreaker for when I sit down in a meeting and throw that down. But, uh, before that I actually had picked up a, the notebook that had the emperor on the front and Horus on the back. Um, yes. It was a really great art piece of it. It's not the not the um, retro version, but kind of the newer one. And so I could sit down at meetings and have this book. And I mean, I just like it. It's not a big deal. Everybody's supposed to have a notebook. And there is kind of a generic army one that plenty of folks have. But I had that one. And, uh, you know, people could see the the emperor of mankind on, on the front of my, my notebook. And there were, there were plenty of engaging remarks, typically of people who were more than familiar with the material. They'd be like, uh, is that uh, – Sir, is that the emperor? Like, sure is. Hundred uh, percent. Love it. Thank you for indulging me, also. Yeah. No. No, no worries. Is that the Can't emperor? Wait for the next one. Yeah, yep. he sucks. Oh, Oof. that's rough. Oof. That's rough. Yeah, the cleaning of the trains. It comes like that. No love around here. Oh uh, well, that's our show this week. Uh, we've uh, we've covered quite the topics. <laughs> pretty good gamut we had a couple of weeks off so we, we had a lot of pent up we did yeah we should be back next week as well and uh yeah we got all kind of stuff coming up also uh, maybe check out a show called the warhammer meta chasers if you would like to know more about what's going on in the competitive scene all around the world uh, that show comes out live every thursday you can also Why catch it on the say? podcast yeah <laughs> live <laughs> Uh, you, might, you might hear some familiar voices over there, but I highly encourage you to check it out. It, is a, it turned out to be a fun time. And, um, you know, talking about the, the ever kind of changing landscape of what is winning events out there. We break some of that down and uh, hopefully in a way that's entertaining with some other buddies. But the live chat group is awesome. I want to give a shout out to that. And otherwise, we'll see you all next week, everybody. See, see you. Have a good night. Bye. Bye, everybody. Scan is clear. I think they're gone for now. <laughs>